Okay, I'm glad you're here. There are certain um, life-changing teachings uh, I know uh, from my own experience, speaking for myself. One of them for me was when I heard Reb Shlomo say that intuitively we understand that God can be very distant. Uh, He said, therefore, the, the, the biggest Kiddush Hashem, the biggest sanctification of God's name is to communicate how close God is to all of us. And that, that, that teaching really changed my life um, because um, it seems to me that is very much the headline of our, of our lives and our existence, which is the closeness of God. And if, if you think about it, if you listen to any of these talks, you'll see that is maybe the dominant theme that runs through all of them. And it was really all based on Rip Shlomo saying that one thing, that I just... And the more I explore it, the, the realer it becomes, and, 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 and the, the, the more of a headline it becomes. Um, and so we're going to speak on this subject, approaching it from, a, a, I think, a very sort of, for me anyway, a very surprising, interesting angle, which is um, the upside-down nuns, and I'll explain what that means in a moment, uh, that are found in Boloscha. Um, it's a it's a unique occurrence in the entire Torah. It's the only place that it exists. And if you can think of what um, almost like just brackets look like uh, in any standard sort of punctuation text, uh, they they function like brackets around a couple of verses of the Torah. And but but instead of brackets. Um, uh, in sort of the divine wisdom of the Torah, they're, they're, they are the upside-down letter Nun. Now, Nun is a very significant letter. Um, it's The numerical equivalent of Nun is 50. And 50 represents the outer extreme of something. And 50 can go in a positive direction and it can go in a negative direction. So, for instance, um, we count 50 days from Pesach to Shavuos meaning to say from getting out of Egypt to receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. So that's when the revelation occurs. That's on the 50th day. But 50 represents something beyond that. It's sort of like, so to speak, the top of heaven, if you will. And everybody knows that we're commanded to count the days leading up to that number 50, but we don't count the number 50 itself because 50 is this quantum level beyond. We can't even put a number on it. So it's sort of like this breakthrough number. So when you get to 50, you're talking about, wow, it's like out there. Man, you know, just out there. Okay, now that's, that's on the positive side. You also have the concept of 50 going to the negative side. So we see this um, in terms of uh, a teaching from the sages that when, when um, Moshe, when Moses shows up in Egypt to um, take the Jews out, to get them to Mount Sinai. Remember, because that's a whole... Remember when Moses gets charged with the mission of taking the Jews out of Egypt, that was at the burning bush, and the burning bush is at Mount Sinai. And God tells him right at the beginning of the whole, right before the whole Pesach story starts, right before the whole liberation from Egypt story starts, God says to Moses at the burning bush, take them out of there to bring them back here. So it's a whole, it's a whole um, completed circle getting to Mount Sinai. So, so, so when Moses shows up to Egypt, the sages say that we had dropped to the 49th level of impurity, and had we hit the 50th level of impurity, remember, 50 is the letter Nun, had we hit the 50th level, that we would have basically have disappeared. 
Now, that in itself is a very, you know, interesting idea. Like, what does that mean that we would have just disappeared? So, my brother-in-law um, heard told me this, and I, I liked it so much because it takes what sounds like a kind of almost like a kind of like you can't even grasp the concept. What does that mean? We would have disappeared, and makes it very real. So the way he explained it to me was that um, Moses would have shown up and he would have said, okay, it's time to go. The promise that was made to our forefathers is now being realized and it's time to get out of Egypt. And they would have said, what do you mean forefathers? What do you mean promise? What do you mean get out? In other words, they would have reached this level of assimilation and, you know, just forgetfulness so out of touch with our own roots and our own tradition and our own destiny that they wouldn't, in other words, you need sort of a handle on someone to pull them out. But the handle would have, at that point, just have disintegrated. And so we wouldn't have gone out because we wouldn't even known that there was something to get out of. So that, that on one level, is the, would be the, the 50th level of impurity. Right, so you see, the fifty goes all the way up to um, the top of heaven, right? But it can also go; it also goes all the way down. So these two nuns, remember, nun is the number fifty. These two nuns, which bracket this section of the Torah, is is sort of like a um, kind of like it, it, it's it's this this sort of like overview of the depths to which we can sink and the heights to which we can rise. Now, now you have to know something. So the Meor B'Shemesh says something really beautiful. He says, do you know how to spell the letter Nun? Right? Like, if you wanted to write about Nuns, right? You have to spell it. You have to spell it because it's not just a letter, it's a word also. And what does the word mean? The word means the letter, but it's also a word. So how would you spell the word nun? So he points out something unbelievable. He says you spell it nun-nun. <laughs> That's how you spell nun, nun-nun. And from this he derives something magnificent, which is that, that the lower nun, meaning the nun which, which talks about the, the, the depths to which we can fall is contained within the other nun, which is the heights that which we can rise. And now with that in mind, listen to this. You see, you see, I read something, I, I don't remember where I read it, but it was from a, you know, a Torah source that's, that, that questioned the existence of the 50th level of impurity. In other words, it can go down to 49, and we can theorize what the 50th level of impurity is. But does it actually even exist? Meaning to say, can we be ever completely cut off? And the idea being that even in our lowest state, God is right there. And that's the idea that the lower 50 is contained, because you spell nun, 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 that the lower state is contained in the upper state so that there is no ultimate like exit point because wherever you fall, you're still within God. Amen. You see, now there's, there's a very interesting mitzvah. 
and a whole dynamic to the Torah, which I really love. And you see it very clearly with the mitzvah of um, uh, Noser, which is which it goes like this. We have a commandment by Pesach, by the Korban Pesach, that was the Pesach offering, and this was, you can see it right in the Chumash itself, right before we left Egypt that night was the first Pesach Seder. All the families got together in groups and we, 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 ate, this, uh, we ate this lamb. And there's a commandment that don't leave any of it over. That was actually a commandment. Don't leave any of it over. And then the next line says, the stuff that's left over <laughs> has to be burnt. Now this is this is actually fascinating. This is fascinating because you can only keep the second command if you've broken the first command. <laughs> so a lot of people they break a commandment and they say, "Now I'm gone. We're forsaken, right?" And yet there are mitzvahs. There's the mitzvah of tshuva, the mitzvah to return, which always stays in place. You see, there's a mitzvah to return stolen property, but how do you keep the mitzvah of returning stolen property unless you've broken the mitzvah not to steal? <laughs> so, you see, let me put it another way. You know, to use AA terminology, if you fall off the wagon, you fall onto another wagon. <laughs> you see, because God is always there. You see, that's, that's the closeness of God. That's the idea that God is always there. Now, now listen to the beauty of this, because the Meor Vishemesh gives us another very amazing visual. This upside-down nun, you see, the way that you draw a nun is there's, there's, a, there's a small space at the top, right, like a small dash at the top, and then you do a straight line down, and then you do a longer line on the bottom. Okay? So, so, if you turn it upside down, now all of a sudden the small little dash is at the bottom and the longer dash is at the top. Do you know what that small dash on the, on, on, on the top of a nun, but it gets turned upside down, but do you know what that small little dash at the top of a nun is? It's the letter Yud. Now the letter Yud, of course, is the first letter of the Yud Ke Vavke, right? Which represents the highest point of spirituality. So, so, again, this idea that God never leaves us, that the, that the way we spell nun is nun-nun, that the, that, the, that the depths of falling is contained within, within the other nun. So, so when the nun is turned upside down, which is a sign of our spiritual plummeting, basically, what's all the way at the bottom of that nun is the letter yud. Amen which is the closeness of God even in our darkest places. So I was thinking about it further. And also it kind of hints at this other thing that I was referencing, which is the idea is, is there actually a 50th level of, of, of impurity? Because you see, when you get to the bottom of that nun, what do you hit? You hit the yud. You hit the light of God. So as we're spiraling, like just nosediving as a people under the servitude of Egypt, what happens at the end of that process? Moshe shows up. But not only that, what, what number is Yud? Ten. The ten plagues start. <laughs> right? I'm adding that, but I'm, I'm sure the Moor of Hashem So 
So, and, and what, was, what, were, what were those ten plagues? Those ten plagues were basically God reawakening our hearts to the fact that there's only one power in the entire world, and that's God who runs every aspect, every level of creation. Remember, the whole idea is those ten plagues correlate with the ten spherot. And that, and that systematically what God was doing was proclaiming his presence and also just smashing idols, just smashing every concept that there's any other power controlling any other level of heaven or earth for that matter, right? He, he works up from the bottom with the Nile and goes all the way up to, to the plague of the firstborn and darkness, right? It's bottom to top. So, you want to hear something, something else that I realized that just kind of blew me away? So we're saying that the, 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 the Nun has a Yud on it, right? And that, that Yud is sort of like the light at the... I, I don't want to say at the end of the tunnel. I want to say the bottom of the pit, right? So we know that things get really messed up, like next week, this week's Parsha, Parsha Shlach, with the sin of the spies, right? Because the spies are sent to bring back a good report about Israel or a report about Israel, and they give a negative report. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu knows, like, something's going down, like he's like, really? And he, and he has this very um, amazing relationship with uh, Yehoshua, and Yehoshua is going to be the successor to Moshe. And so Moshe, before Yehoshua goes out on this expedition with the with the other leaders of the tribes who all experience this like dramatic spiritual downfall during this process he gives him a blessing and he says I'm changing your name from to Yehoshua okay now look how all of this comes together really kind of remarkable based on what we've been saying up until now what was Yehoshua's name or what was what was his name Yehoshua ben Nun can you imagine the son of Nun Right? Not, not only that, and then what does Moshe add to his name to change his name? The letter Yud. Right? So that he should be this light in the darkness. And I was thinking just of an extra thing, which is that they then get, we then get sentenced essentially to 40 years wandering around the desert. Nun is 50 minus Yud is 10. That's 40, right? Just like even the math works out in a crazy way. So, so Yeshua, right, is able to shine a light in this darkest time for us with this letter Yud that Moshe Rabbeinu attaches to his name. Okay. So, so we have to realize that Hashem is with us even in the darkest times. And and, and that's very real because Hashem is everywhere. And if we fall to a low place, we fall into another way, right? So I was thinking just another couple of um, kind of visualizations, kind of based on what the more of Hashemish is saying with this Yud and the Nun. You know, you see, you see, the idea is that. Um, the name of Hashem, the Yudke Vavke, is is the name of Rachamim, is the name of mercy. And uh, if you spell it backwards, that would indicate din, meaning to say judgment, right? 
Which one? Which uh, the Yudke Vavke. If you spell it backwards, it would it would indicate since it's a name of mercy, it would indicate judgment if it's if it appears backwards. Now every single month, because every single month has a different com- different combination of the way you spell Hashem's name. Okay, and the 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 way the month where it's spelled backwards is Tammuz. So Tammuz is leading up to Av, that's leading up to Tisha B'Av, the destruction of the temple. That's when the this period in our calendar called the three weeks, this dark period starts. So it makes sense that the name of Hashem, the name, the merciful name of Hashem, spelled backwards, would correlate with the month of Tammuz, right? So, so the idea is that an upside-down Nun, right, with the Yud on the bottom, because you can picture the name of God. I always tell you, picture the name of God, the Yud, K, Vav, K, like a ladder, right? Yud is at the top, and then the He, and then the Vav, and then the bottom He, which stands for this realm, right? So if you think of the Yud all the way on the bottom, like on the bottom of the Nun, right? When the, ups- when the Nun is upside down, and then you've got the, the Yud there, that's like the name of Hashem upside down or backwards, right? And you see it spelled backwards in Megillus Esther, when Haman is talking. And the Moor Vashemish like quotes this. Let's see if I can find it to you quickly. It's um it, it's a moment when Haman basically has everything going for him. And yet because uh, because Mordechai doesn't bow down to him, he says, All of this is worth nothing to me. And the um it's in uh, chapter 5, verse 13. So it says, And if you, look at, if you look at that phrase, which all of this means nothing to me, um, Li ends with Yud, Shove ends with He, Enenu ends in Vav, and Ze ends in He. So it's the Yud Ke Vav Ke backwards. So this is showing on Din, on judgment, right? And it's, he's relating it to Hamid. So I was wondering, you've got such a clear, nice example with Tammuz, with the name of Hashem spelled backwards in Tammuz. Why did the Morva Shemesh to illustrate this idea of, of, of judgment of the Yudke Vavke spelled backwards? Why did he reference Haman? And then it hit me, wow, you know something? Remember, the letter Nun is 50. It says that the gallows that he constructed to hang Mordechai on were 50 cubits high. Not only that, but what happens at the end of the story? His ten sons are hung. So this idea of this upside-down nun, because remember on Purim, everything turns right side up. This upside-down nun with a yud at the bottom is the 50 cubits of the gallows that Haman constructed that his own ten sons get hung on at the end. Right? In our darkest moment, all of a sudden we experience this reversal. Now, on the 50th day, when we receive the Torah, when this reversal happens, on the 50th day, when we, when we receive the Torah, what do we receive? The Aserah Sedibros, the Ten Commandments. On the 50th day, that's the Yud on top of the Nun again. That's the Ten Commandments, which contains the entire Torah. That's what we receive. Right? So everything flips over. Now, now, what is the phrase that's contained 
in, 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 in that little bracketed off area, because that would be interesting to know. And by the way, you should know that the Talmud takes that bracketed off area very, very seriously and says, you know something? You know, according to one opinion, it's actually considered a separate book of the Torah. And if you count it as a separate book, which is a phenomenal statement since it's just a, a few lines, you know, it actually comes out that there's seven books of the Torah, not five books of the Torah, seven books of the Torah. So that in itself, there's a lot of teachings based on that. So, why seven, so, not six? So, okay, why? Because you would have the first three books, mm-hmm. right? And then you, get to, um, then you get to Bamidbar, which is where the brackets are contained. Mm-hmm. So the first part of Bamidbar, uh, this bracketed off area, right. and the last part of Bamidbar. Okay. So Bamidbar then turns into three books, right. plus the other four books equals seven books. Okay. So, so what is that phrase? Here's the phrase. Now remember, imagine the, the Yudke Vavke is, is, is upside down, because that's, that's, the, that's the beginning with the Yud on the bottom. Or, I'm sorry, the Nun is upside down with the Yud at the tip of it. So that indicates that the whole name of Hashem is, is upside down and backwards because normally the Yud would be at the top. Now the Yud is all the way at the bottom. So what's the phrase inside the brackets? Vayhi ben Soa Aaron vayomer Moshe. Right? When the Ark would travel, Moshe would say, listen very carefully, Kuma Hashem. Kuma Yudke Vavke. That's Hashem. Meaning, rise up, Yudke Vavke. Wow. Reverse yourself. <laughs> so at the very beginning where you've got the upside down Yudke Vavke, the phrase says, Moshe says, rise up, turn judgment into mercy. Amen. Stand up, God, right? This name of God. Wow. Like, let's reverse the flow so that the, the blessing should come down in the proper way again. Mm-hmm. So again, we have this idea that even at the bottom, the, the light of God, even at the bottom of the pit, the light of God is waiting for us. Now, with that in mind, one of the most beautiful teachings, so the Gomorrah kind of points out something, and then Reb Shlomo builds on this. The Gomorrah points out that, you know, one of these kind of like uh, bread and butter prayers, we've got a few kind of like go-to prayers in, in Torah. Shema, of course, is, is one of them. And another one is Ashrei. And Ashrei is considered so great, it goes through um, each of the letters of the Olive Bays, that, they, that the sages teach, if you say three times a day, you, you know, you're guaranteed a, a place in, in heaven. So, 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 so obviously the sages like really super loved this, this, this prayer from King David. So you know what's interesting about it? It's running through all of the Olive Bays, except it leaves out one letter. Any guess what letter that would be? Correct, the letter Nun. <laughs> Why? Because Nun stands for Nofel, which means to fall, meaning to fall in life, to fall spiritually. And so David Amelech, King David, didn't want to make any reference to our spiritual fallen. But then, even more amazing, so it goes from Mem, then it should go to Nun, because that's a letter afterwards, so, but it goes from Mem directly to Samech. So it skips the Nun. However, here's the cool part. In Samech, David Amalek inserts the Nun. But listen to how he does it. Samech stands for Somech 
Adunai l'chol hanoflim v'zokef l'chol hakfufim. What does that mean? So this is how we, we still make reference to the nun, and we still make reference to the idea of it being about spiritually falling. But listen to the context of it now, within the Samech. Hashem supports all the fallen ones and straightens all the bent. So in other words, it, it appears, but it, it appears in the most positive context of Hashem supporting all the fallen ones. And again, this is the idea of how do you spell nun? Nun, nun. The nun, which stands for the lower 50, or falling, no flim, is contained within the greater nun, which is about Hashem always being there and lifting us up to heights. Amen, amen. So it's all, it's all in there. Now, now and, it's, and that nun is contained within the Samech. So one of the all-time most classic Torahs from Rib Shlomo, Darshaning, explaining on a Torah level just our our lives, our body language, says, what are you doing? What what is the soul communication that you're 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 saying when you hug someone? Right? When you hug someone, what you're doing is you're making a samach around them, right? Because your arms join in the back and that's like a circle. That's that's what a samach looks like. And what you're saying to them is I'm not going to let you fall. That's what a hug is. That's why people love hugs. <laughs> because contained in a hug is this secret soul message, I'm not going to let you fall. I'm here for you. Right? That's, a, that's, a, that's an awesome, awesome, beautiful thing. So, so yeah. So that's, 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 that's us and God. That's us and God. That's God in us. And um, what a privilege. Just what a privilege to be alive. What a privilege that there's a world. What a privilege that we get to exist at all. Even if it's just to say, you're here, God, right? And, and to stop us, when we know this, from ever giving up, or ever being afraid. You know, it says in the Gomorrah that, um, you know, uh, I think it was King Chizkiyahu had a tradition in his family that even if someone has a knife at your neck, never to give up on Hashem's mercy. Amen. So that's the, that's the idea of the Yud on the bottom of the Nun, right? And that's, it's just, it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what else to say beyond that. So, anyway, we should, uh, should feel the reality of God. Amen. We should know the truth of it. Amen. And we should never give up. Amen. Amen. Now for some questions and answers. I was wondering the placement of this bracketed yes. section. Right. As if it were its own chapter. Its own book. Its own book, sorry. Even more than a chapter. You're right, yeah. its own book. That's, that's pretty powerful and making, creating these other books out of it too. But I'm wondering, did it need to have that power as, as an essential to yes, so the let me, Torah let me, or, yeah. Let me, let me go with that. So the, the placement is a very large part of the whole yeah. teaching about the upside down nuns. So we have a concept called a chazaka. Chazaka means um, there's a, a sense of permanence at this point. Like it's sort of like 
this is what it is right now. So um, in our own lives, we have to be mindful of the concept of chazaka. Because believe it or not, you can take a vow, and it's a halakhically binding vow, without ever uttering a word, just by doing an action three times in a row. So for instance, if you, um, you know, whatever it is, if you do a spiritually positive practice three times in a row, it can have the status of a vow. And actually that gets addressed in the um, Hatar Snadarim, or a moment of vows that we make at the, you know, right before Rosh Hashanah, um, which is that if I accidentally sort of like committed myself to a certain path, even if it was a good path, and God forbid I don't regret having tried to do this good path, I just don't want it to be connected with a vow because then if I don't keep the vow, then I start to stumble over other sort of like um, isurim uh, prohibitions and I don't want to get caught up in all that stuff. But um, so, for instance, you're supposed to check your tefillin twice every seven years to make sure that it's, that it's kosher, okay? Because the ink inside the letters can sort of like whittle away or chip away and then if the, the letter isn't... Um, whole, then the tefillin isn't kosher. However, there's something called, there's a chazaka, that even if you didn't check your tefillin, we assume that it's still kosher. In other words, one should do it, but if one didn't do it, it, it's not like you have the status of putting on unkosher tefillin, it's still considered kosher. Because the idea is that we think that the letters are going to remain in place, so it has a cheskes, Kashris, that's what it's called. Someone who has a very good reputation, sometimes they'll refer to that person as having a cheskis kashris, meaning to say that we have, he has a great track record in terms of being pure, right? So, so a chazaka means something very strong. Now, here in the Torah, the Jews are about to do three negative things in a row. <laughs> So this is now the opposite idea. This is like a chazaka for wrongdoing. And so Hashem didn't want that to appear in the Torah, that the Jewish people should ever have a chazaka for wrongdoing. So as a result, this bracketed portion, which is kuma Hashem, switch over Hashem, from, this, from the backward spelling, the upside down spelling, which indicates din or negativity, flip it to the right way, is coming in between these three events so that it's breaking the chazaka of wrongdoing. Now, what's so interesting, and I want to add to this idea right now, in terms of how we can apply that teaching practically in our own lives. When do we say that phrase during the davening? When we open up the Torah ark, we say, Vayihi bin Aaron, Vayomer Mashah, Kuma Hashem, rise up Hashem, right? So, in other words, what is it that breaks the chazaka, the lock of negativity? And the answer is opening up the Torah. You want to break negativity in your own life? Open up the Torah. Keep the mitzvahs. Study Torah. Connect yourself to Hashem. When you open up that ark, what happens is, is you're making that break in that chazaka, and you're giving yourself an opening to escape negativity and to reverse the flow in your life. Um, uh, I have a question. It's kind of a couple questions in, in Okay, one. sure, yeah. Um, so 
So I wanted you to just remind us, you said this earlier on, but who, who said rise up, uh, and, or, yeah. and part of that question is, before yeah. answer, uh, yeah. why, you say you'd kei babke, we don't say you'd hey babke, I kind of want to know, yeah. Yeah, just sure. so I know when I'm speaking, right, sure. why, what's the correct way, which I'm not saying once, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. And then, I think you said it's either David Melech or Moshe who said it. Yeah. Uh, and then the other question is, wow, David Melech and Mo there's this very strong connection between the two of them. Sure, very much. I know much so. you can talk about that for yeah, hours, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know, I wanted you just to touch upon their, sure. uh, their, their, their connection, their unity. And, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so, so um, yeah, that's that was said, Kuma Hashem is said by Moshe Rabbeinu. That's, that's, that is... The bra that is what it says in the bracketed off area in, in, inside the Torah. So rise up Hashem, because it's in reference to the upside down name of God. Because if the Yud is on the bottom of the Nun, that means like sort of like the Yud Kevavke, which normally speaking would go from top to bottom, has been turned upside down. So he's, 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 he's saying, Hashem be merciful. So, so that we say Yud Kevavke and not Yud He Vavke. Because it's a sign of respect, just like we would say Hashem and not Adonai, so so that even translates to even the spelling of God's name. It's an additional aspect of uh, respect, so uh, or Yira, mm -hmm. right? That awe. We would just say Yud Kevavke instead of instead of the actual spelling of His name, mm -hmm. but they're one and the same. But it's a sign of respect. And then um, in terms of the relationship between Moshe and and David. There's a very strong relationship, and the um, the Chaim says that the that the soul of Mashiach, the the soul of the Messiah, is actually going to be a combination of of Moshe Rabbeinu's and uh, David Amelik's souls. And um, uh, I said that one time, and Ari Epstein was here, and he said, "Wow, if you add up the gematria of David and Moshe, it's it's one off, which is okay because he of the Gamachi of Mashiach. Wow. Actually, it actually adds up to Mashiach, wow. which is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, there are many comparisons. The rabbis make many, many comparisons. There are five books of the Psalms. There are five books of the Torah. So that's another Moshe David <laughs> comparison. Uh, Moshe is actually referred to, people don't talk about it too much, but at one point, Moshe is referred to in the Chumash as a king. So technically, on, on some level, he was the king of Israel. And of course, David Amalek is, 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 is the king. And, you know, you have uh, just a, a, another connection. I mean, I'm sure they go on all day, but, but we always talk about two um, essential spiritual dynamics, above to below and below to above. And so the giving of the Torah is the ultimate above to below, because that's God sort of revealing the blueprint of existence. And the Sefer Tehillim, the book of Psalms, is the ultimate below to above, us opening up our hearts and, and appealing to God. And of course, I heard from Rabbi Shlomo that the way King David wrote the book of Psalms was that um, uh, the Gemara records that David Amalek had, so to speak, a holy alarm clock, which was his, his, he would hang his harp over his bed, and that a wind would come in at midnight at Chatzot, and it would sort of strum the, the harp strings, and that would wake up David Amalek, and he would wake up, and he would pray to Hashem, Please, Hashem, let me hear the prayers of Israel. And Hashem would take him up, and David Amelch would listen to the prayers of Israel, and he would write them down, and that became Sefer Tehillim, that became the Book of Psalms.
thing about the relationship between the Nun and the Samach, I, I mean, um, it, so if you think about the combination, you get the word nace, which is beautiful, beautiful, like miraculous. Like, wait, that's beautiful. what you really feel your connection. Like, wow, that was a real nace. Awesome, yeah. And also, if you think awesome. about Sna yeah. and Sinai, so there's some sort of, you know, juxtaposition <coughs> between the, the connection between yes. the two. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, some sort of like. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah.